This episode is brought to you by Aircraft Accessories of Oklahoma. When it's time for an aircraft component inspection, overhaul, repair, or replacement, you need experienced technicians you can trust and friendly service you can count on. Aircraft Accessories of Oklahoma, a family-owned business since 1959, delivers just that. Our techs have real-world experience and provide sales, service, and overhaul for piston engine aircraft accessories. We also have limited turbine capabilities such as fuel pumps, starter generators, and prop governors. And we can overhaul propellers ranging from fixed pitch to turbine. Propeller pickup and delivery service is available. And one more thing, mention this podcast to receive 5% off your next sale, service, or overhaul. Visit aircraftaccessoriesofok.com. AOPA presents Never Again, true pilot stories from the world of general aviation. In this episode, when was the last time you asked for a DF steer? Well, it's time we ask for one in Nighttime Fuel Burn by Steve Samuelson. My first airplane was a Grumman trainer, a AA-1B, painted like a World War II fighter. I have owned all or part of a few airplanes since then. However, in 1986, I was divorced and planeless, and I decided to look for another airplane. I was thrilled to find a Grumman Lynx, a AA-1C, for sale. It was also painted like a World War II fighter. I bought it and enjoyed flying it around the greater Columbus, Ohio area. The big difference between the AA-1B and the AA-1C was the AA-1B had a cruise prop and the AA-1C had a climb prop. For some reason, I didn't realize that would affect fuel burn. I had 420 hours under my belt, most in AA-1 and AA-5 aircraft, with 75 hours at night. Late in the day on Thanksgiving, 1986, a lady I had met at a singles club and I started off in the AA-1C from John Glenn Columbus International Airport en route to Bader Field in Atlantic City, New Jersey. The weather forecast was for marginal VFR. I was not instrument rated yet, but the trip looked possible. The trip would mean a stop in West Virginia for fuel and then on to Atlantic City. The first leg would take us directly across Zanesville Municipal Airport. It wasn't long after takeoff when the only VOR receiver I had died. Now, in those days, GPS was relatively new. I didn't have GPS yet, so I planned our trip drawing lines on charts, measuring distances, and calculating wind correction angles. I decided I could continue without VOR if I crossed Zanesville on course and on time. Amazingly, I crossed right over the center of Zanesville at the exact second I had calculated. Shortly after leaving Zanesville, all the lights in the cabin went out. I was prepared. I had three flashlights with me. Believe it or not, two of the flashlights later failed. I was told that most aircraft accidents happen after three things go wrong, and that was number two. When I was about 30 miles from the Ohio-West Virginia border, I noticed that visibility seemed to be a little worse. 
I turned on the landing light, and it came back glaring in my face. That was number three. I could still see the ground, but I figured I was at the base of the clouds. I descended. Upon consulting the chart, I discovered I was flying lower than the highest obstacle in the next section of the chart. Time to turn around, I said to myself, all the while trying to act calm so as not to alarm my passenger. My flight instructor told me three things you always do when you have trouble. Climb, confess, and fly the airplane. Climbing was out. Confessing was in. I got on the radio and tuned to a flight service frequency and said, any flight service station, uh, this is 9-7-5-5 uniform, I need assistance, or words to that effect. After explaining my situation, I was asked to contact center. I reported my position, but they couldn't receive my transponder. They had a commercial carrier looking down for me, and they never saw me either. I went to the Zanesville Flight Service Station frequency. There were real live people at many flight service stations in those days. I asked for a direction finder steer back to Zanesville, something else my flight instructor had told me about. We went through the DF steer procedure, and I headed back towards Zanesville. I knew Zanesville's FBO would be closed, and it would cost me an additional $25 to get someone to come out and fuel us. Familiar with the AA-1B I had owned, I figured a burn of six gallons per hour would leave me enough fuel to get back to Columbus with my 45-minute reserve. I had changed tanks departing from Zanesville, but during the excitement, I didn't remember to do so on the way back. You should know that the AA-1 family of airplanes had sight gauges for fuel, similar to the glass tube on the front of a restaurant coffee maker. About the time I got just north of Buckeye Lake, I said to my passenger, move your leg, it's probably about time to check tank, and then the engine quit. I promptly changed tanks and reached for the boost pump, and the engine started back up. During the few seconds it was stopped, I considered the ramifications of landing on Interstate 70 on Thanksgiving night. Fortunately, I didn't have to. Shortly after the engine out, all the lights in the cabin came back on and the VOR started working again. The landing at Columbus was uneventful. It was only after being safe on the ground that I fell apart emotionally. After landing, I learned why there is a reason for a 45-minute fuel reserve at night. There was about 15 minutes of fuel in the left tank. If the requirement were only for a 15-minute reserve, and I had planned on that, I would have had to land on I-70. It must have been the fates. The lady who was my passenger attended the singles club meeting the next evening where she met the man who was to be her future husband. Weeks later, I discovered the intermittent VOR failure was caused by a crack in the circuit board. What are the lessons? One, study the aircraft manual for the specific model you will fly. Two, pay close attention to weather forecasts. Three, ask for help when you need it. Four, don't pass up a fuel stop when you have any doubt 
Five, if you don't have one, get an instrument rating. The Never Again Podcast is brought to you monthly by AOPA, the Aircraft Owners and Pilots Association. You can find more Never Again stories online at aopa.org by typing Never Again into the search box. While you're there, check out the AOPA mobile app, as well as the many free training and safety courses from the Air Safety Institute. Find all of this and more at aopa.org. The Never Again podcast is produced by Royce Earl. Thanks for listening. Fly safely. Fly safely.